Blog Talk Radio. Glam more, fear less. Diva Talk Radio. Are you ready, divas and dudes? Because I'm ready to welcome you to Diabetes Roundtable. I'm your host, Mr. Divabetic, and I'd like to help empower you to manage your diabetes with confidence, knowledge, and inspiration from the one and only queen of disco tonight, Donna Summer. Tonight, we're saluting breast cancer survivors with diabetes. My guests include Charlie's Angels of Outreach, poet Lorraine Brooks, Liz Wolf, the owner of Cure Thrift Shop in New York City, the Digital Divas, Taryn and Jessica, Mama Rosemarie, and musical journalist Christian John Wykane, plus my special guest diva all the way from Washington, Jana. So stay tuned. Now, I always like to kick off the podcast by saying, don't get down, get diva. But tonight, I'm changing it up and urging you to get down on it, because we're celebrating the music of the one and only Donna Summer. I don't know about you, but when I want to chase the blues away, I turn up the volume of one of my favorite Donna Summer songs, leap to my feet, and start strutting my hot stuff. (laughs) And right now, I'm strutting my hot stuff in the new Divabetic Eye Candy Calendar. It's available at divabetic.org and lulu.com, and all the proceeds benefit Divabetic's ongoing efforts in diabetes outreach. If you want to get your copy... It's just a click away to seeing sexy shots of nine amazing male fitness instructors from New York City sharing some of their favorite wellness tips with you. And it was designed by the one and only Susan McCaslin, who will be showing her artwork at the Plate Poetry Project in Brooklyn at SUNY Downstate Medical Center in November. Now, Donna Summer might be best known as the Queen of Disco, But did you know she's also a five-time Grammy Award winner? She was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and she actually wrote several of her songs, including Bad Girls. A little later on, I'll be talking to musical journalist Christian about what inspired Donna Summer to keep working hard for the money during all the ups and downs in her career. Unfortunately, this amazing singer, songwriter, and performer lost the battle with lung cancer at the age of 63 just a few years ago, even though she didn't smoke. And I think Donna's diagnosis illustrates the confusion for many of us about what actually causes cancer. I'll be talking about this topic with the Charlie's Angels of Outreach tonight as we salute breast cancer survivors living with diabetes by saying, we love to love you, baby. Last year, I got the chance to attend the Making Strides Walk in Central Park, and one of the things that stood out to me was the pride that the survivors feel and show to the rest of the world, which I felt was like in complete contrast to how most of us feel about living with type 2 diabetes. So tonight, I want to spin the mirror ball around and tell you to get rid of all that negative thinking, blame, and shame that you might associate with a diagnosis of diabetes, and don't think of yourself as a bad girl. But think of yourself as a warrior, or as I like to say, a divabetic, and let the music be your makeup. Think pink and start thinking of staying healthy and being happy. (music) 
That's my cue to go to the mailbag, the Divabetic mailbag. I'm opening it up, taking out some letters from you, the viewers. I want to, first of all, welcome Megan, our newest member to the Divabetic Facebook community. And now here's our first letter. It comes from Doris in New York City. Dear Mr. Divabetic, I miss the Divabetic Club in New York so much. Is there a chance that we'll be returning? Wow, Doris, I miss it too. Actually, I had such a great time this summer when I hosted the Divabetic uh, Barbecue at Rock Bar here in New York City that I, I was determined to bring it back. And this is so timely that I got this letter because this Thursday, October 10th, I'll be hosting our Divas Night Live at Cure Thrift Shop in New York City. And that is going to be the return of the Divabetic Club that Doris and I love. And uh, that meeting is really a support meeting with education, and it's really upbeat, and it's a lot of fun, and I love to bring all the divas together. So if you come out to Cure Thrift Shop this Thursday night from 7 to 9, you could see uh, Judith Jones Ambrosini is going to be there. She's going to give us a Tai Chi demonstration. Uh, Catherine Schuler, our image and style advisor, is going to show you how to know your shape, show your shape. My favorite poet, Lorraine Brooks, who's, uh, Brooks, whose new poetry book just came out and got phenomenal reviews in Europe, uh, we'll be talking to her a little bit, is going to be reading some of her poems from her upcoming event, Diabetes Fairy Tales. My good friend Fran Carpentier is going to be there. Andrea White, who was Miss Exquisite, full-figured USA from Washington, is coming up for the event. All the lovely ladies from D-Life are going to be there, Mary, Nicole, and Zen. And the com the author of the complete guide, uh, the complete diabetes organizer, organizer Sooner Wiener, Susan Weiner, will be there. So it's going to be a star-studded event. It's a diabetic club. It's coming back. It's going to be a rotating party every quarter. And if you can make it, Doris, invite your friends. It's totally free, seven to nine this Thursday. All the details are at diabetic.org. All right, next letter, Mr. Diabetic. This is from Mary in New Orleans. Why do you keep talking about sex on your Mr. Divabetic podcast? I think it's embarrassing and I don't like it. I'd much rather have you talk about fashion. Well, I personally would love to talk about fashion, but I have to say, Mary, uh, I was blown away by the information about sexual wellness and diabetes and how many women uh, experience a lack of desire or experience personal dryness that I really want to tackle this topic head on. A lot of the husbands or partners are married to uh, men are dealing with erectile dysfunction, and I think your embarrassment is echoed not only throughout our community but also from the healthcare providers. So I thought uh, the best thing I could do at Divabetic was to provide a platform to talk about it. So I'm sorry if it embarrasses you, but I kind of got over it in the idea that I want to really outreach to it and, be, and make it more powerful for, for people to really get the help they need. I personally really believe that um, what ha happens in the bedroom really affects all of your life. And if you feel great about yourself and you have a happy, uh, healthy sex life, you're just going to feel better all the way around. And if you don't have a healthy, happy sex life, then it could deter you from wanting to take care of yourself. So I'm kind of trying to move forward with that. And I'm so thankful to have uh, so many educators helping me out on that show, as well as several best uh, well-known authors from the romance community, including Cherry Adair, uh, Robin Carr, and later this month I'll be talking to Christian uh, Higgins. So if you want to see more about that, you can listen to those shows. And thank you, everyone, for your letters. Now, before we get things started, I want to encourage you to show your support for our dazzling brand of Diabetes Outreach by donating today 
at divabetic.org. Your tax-deductible contributions are greatly appreciated. Sit back, relax, and get ready to laugh a little, learn a lot with Diabetes Roundtable. It's time to welcome my very first guest to the show. She's my favorite TV host and poet. She's also a jewelry designer, and she just got phenomenal reviews in Britain. Uh, hello, Lorraine Brooks. Hi, Max. How are you? Oh, I'm doing so well tonight. Thank you. <laughs> Lorraine, your book just came out, Riding the Wave. Tell Riding the Wave, yes. it uh, It's getting very good reviews uh, in the U.K. Thank you so much for mentioning that. I, I'm excited to see it wash up on these shores. I heard you're going to be, bring a couple copies to Divas Night Out. I certainly will. Well, we're excited to have you. Now, are you a fan of Donna Summer? I am. How could you not be a fan of Donna Summer? Well, solve this puzzle for me, because I, I love to you know dance around to Donna, and people who've come to see my shows know that I play a lot of Donna, Donna Summer and get, love to boogie down with whoever's in the crowd. But I have to tell you, like one of the songs I'm always listening to is MacArthur Park, and I've never understood what this lyric means, and I'm hoping as a poet you could inspire me and help uh, educate me as well. Someone left the cake out in the rain. I don't think I could take it because it took so long to bake it, and I'll never have that recipe again. (laughs) I want to rhyme. What does it mean? What do you think it means? Well, uh, since, since you're asking me that question as a writer, I, I'll, I'll use a, a, um, a, a writing term. I think that the cake is a metaphor, and I think it's a metaphor to me uh, for friendship and love. And I think uh, to me what it means is that uh, friendships and love in general are very fragile, like cake. And so you have to take care of of them differently. If you leave a cake out in the rain, you know, it turns into a pretty inedible mess. Um, and it takes a long time to bake it. So you don't want to do that. You want to take care of it. You want to watch out for it. You want to really uh, nurture it like you have to do friendships and love. So that's kind of what it means to me. I see the cake as as representing love. You know, you know what my twist on that was? And I love yours, by the way. Um, Mine is like, you Thank know, God, you're, I'm all, not gonna get you're the noise. all dressed up, you're all dressed up, and you're so excited to be out, and you're feeling really good about yourself, and you know you have a lot to offer, you know, a lot of people out there. We're talking about someone being single, and so, you know, you're sitting at the bar, and you're feeling yourself, and the music's playing, and you're just, like, having your big moment, and all of a sudden, like, someone just looks at you, and they don't even give you the time of day. Like, I took all that time to put the recipe on, people do their hair, makeup, dress, mm-hmm. whatever it is. And then suddenly someone just walks by you like, you know, bam. That's how I kind of interpreted it. Yours is much prettier than mine. Mine is <laughs> along on a Hallmark card, that's for sure. Well, thank you. I, I, uh, I, I'm, just, I'm just happy I'm not going to get the raspberry noise. <laughs> I wanted to give it to you so bad. But I won't give you a raspberry because okay. well, raspberries are kind of pink. And, you know, tonight is a really exciting show for us because uh, this is the second annual Salute to Breast Cancer Survivors with Diabetes. Last year's show uh, was so phenomenal. Kathy Gold, who's joining us again this year, was really talking a lot from the healthcare perspective of what it's like for these women to manage two diagnoses and how hard it can be at times and stressful. And, you know, you reached out to one of your friends tonight, and she's actually going to be on a little bit later sharing her story. Tell us a little bit about Jana. 
Um, Jana is a very good friend of mine. I'm so happy and proud that you uh, have chosen her to be on the show. She's a great uh, role model and will be a great role model, I'm sure, for a lot of the people listening. Um, She's a very strong person. She is somebody who lives with diabetes and was recently diagnosed with breast cancer as well. I will let her tell you the story. But um, she's a very strong person, and... um, her her courage and her strength and her positivity are very important to me as her friend. She can tell you we talk every day, and we try to uh, lift each other up when we get into the doldrums, and, you know, life turns into um, not so much of a party sometimes. And um, she she's just a very positive person and has a very positive message, and she's very, very strong. So I'm proud to have her as a friend, and I'm I'm very happy to uh, to introduce her to you. I think she'll be a very uh, a big plus in your outreach efforts, and uh, I, I'm sure that you'll enjoy what she has to say. I'm looking forward to it. You know, tonight is about a party. We're not going to have a pity party. We're getting up, and that's why we chose Donna Summer. And I know you wrote a special poem to celebrate what an iconic artist. So can you please share your poem tonight about Donna? I will. Thank you, Max. Uh, My poem tonight is called Summertime. I wanted to be a bad girl like the kind you sang about, in the club with my hair swinging wildly and dancing with abandon. It looked so easy when you said it and did it. Another disco queen, no, the disco queen, telling us all how it should be done. I heard all the songs on the radio about boyfriends moving on and girls weeping into their pillows, all the while dancing and being mesmerized by the reflecting disco ball of life. And you lived it. You lived your words as lively and colorful and vibrant and energetic as any bad girl could be. Yes, we love to love you, even in despair, because you never let us see the agony of the last dance. Always love your work, Lily. Thank you. And we posted it on divabetic.org, so if people want to enjoy your poems, they could go visit divabetic.org. Thanks Thank for you, being man. a part of the show. And My guess pleasure. what? We're going to play uh, some of MacArthur's Park for you. Everybody, if you're a fan of Donna Summer, you're going to love my next guest. He's a music journalist. He writes for Pop Matters. His name is Christian Wackane, and I met him on Facebook because we have a lot of mutual friends. Please welcome Christian. Thank you, Matt. What an introduction. Oh, I love, and you know, you're you're going to help you're going to help solve this riddle to me about some of Donna's lyrics. They're kind of deep, aren't they? Well, yes, and MacArthur Park was actually written by Jimmy Webb, whose work really is very deep, and, and he uses a lot of metaphors. He wrote a lot of songs that the Fifth Dimension popularized back in the 60s, and there was a whole there was a whole album he did for them that sort of examined the, the breakup of a, of a relationship. And I think MacArthur Park, his 
is part of that whole time in his life where he had been with a woman that broke off an engagement or, or you know, stood him up at the altar. One of the two things happened. And I think MacArthur Park kind of symbolizes the the dissolution of a relationship and how you nurture it, like baking a cake. You put all of this love and all of these ingredients together and then you abandon it and that love will never exist the same way again. That's my interpretation. No, I think I, I, you're with Lorraine on that. And I, I think that's... I'm a little bit more bittersweet than you two, I think, so. <laughs> but I, well, but she, did, she did write a lot of songs, though. I mean, Donna Summer wrote Bad Girls. She she wrote throughout her career. I also read that she was also a painter and an artist. And you had the chance to interview her. Um, I'm curious, like, what how she looked back at some of her iconic songs and, and how did she feel about her career and, and just some of the accomplishments she had? Well, I think when she first exploded with Love to Love You Baby back in, in 1975, 1976, it was a, it was a whirlwind because I don't think she expected fame to come that fast and that big. So I, I think it just was a shock. And so then when you have a hit, you have to follow up that hit and you have to keep topping yourself with, with, a, uh, with a bigger hit. And luckily, Giorgio Moroder and Pete Bellotti, her her producers, were able to take her in different places after Love to Love You Baby so she didn't get stuck in in kind of a, you know, sex queen image that Casablanca Records, her label, was really trying to promote. Um, so she, did, she was able to do a lot of things and I think the first song that really showed how much of a range she had vocally was Last Dance, which right. which Paul Jabara wrote, and he won the Oscar for that. But in terms of her own songwriting, you know, my favorite song by her is Dim All the Lights, and that she wrote by herself. And I had a chance to ask her about what inspired that, and she had actually been um, writing with Kenny Loggins that day back in 1979, and he had to leave the session because his wife was in the hospital. So she was left by herself, and she just came up with this whole story that she kind of imagined someone like Rod Stewart would sing, kind of like a story of seduction. And she liked it so much that she kept it for herself, and it really became a signature song of hers. And and, and then along with Bad Girls, a, a song that is very much a story of a different kind, kind of about street life in Los Angeles and, and you know, what you see these, these ladies doing and how, you know, you might be different from them, but they actually have, you might have more in common with them than you think. So I think she always had a very interesting way of looking outside herself and observing life and putting that into her songs, but then also looking within herself in terms of love and spirituality and expressing that part of herself in, in her lyrics as well. Well, I, I think it's kind of fascinating that she came out of a disco, you know, I mean, that song was a big dance hit and somehow crossed onto the pop charts. You know, you just don't hear about that uh, anymore today, that kind of career thing. I feel like the only other artist I've ever known to kind of emerge from a club scene or have a big dance hit and become a pop superstar is Luther Vandross, in honesty, because to me, like, music has changed so much. And I'm just kind of curious, because she was in so many different genres. I, I think I read somewhere, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, Reba McIntyre covered Starting Over, a song of hers, right? Yes. So she even went into she even went into country western. So 
I'm just, you know, she had she had these career arcs and valleys to her career, and you know, it is kind of interesting. Did she talk like what kept her going? You know, because there was so much, there were times when she wasn't around at all, and then she would come back with like she works hard for the money. Right. Well, I think after a certain point, I think after the, the 70s ended, she really focused on her spirituality, and she got married and started raising a family. I mean, she had a daughter, uh, Mimi, back even during the peak of her success, but she had two more daughters, and I think she just focused on the things that were important to her, the things that fame can't give you, you know, people that are going to be there with you no matter what. So family was important, spirituality, and then like you said earlier, she was a a visual artist. She was a painter, but she had a completely different outlet to express her creativity. It didn't have to be song lyrics or singing. It could just be standing in front of a canvas and letting your mind go wherever it wants to go. So she had more than just getting the next big hit as a priority in her life, and that makes a huge difference. When you surround yourself with people that really care about your well-being and and are there with you when you decide to go back out in the public eye again, but are also there during the off time when you just kind of want to re- retreat and and spend time by yourself. And I think she was established enough where her name had a lot of uh, value that she didn't have to keep on proving herself. You know, she, in, in the first five years of her career in the U.S., she she basically was able to live off of that, you know, even if she re- never recorded another song because it was so phenomenal uh, a career. Now, you also campaigned hard for her to get in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which she did. Uh, I saw the letter you wrote uh, on Pop Matters. I'm just curious, you know, for all the fans, Diabetes Roundtable, Donna Summer was not living with diabetes. She didn't have breast cancer. She had lung cancer. But I chose her tonight because I just feel like she puts me in a good mood and she would inspire others. And I'm just wondering, like, the qualities of Donna Summer – since you've done so much research on her, like what do you what do you think the qualities are that anyone listening tonight could take with them and kind of move themselves forward and be inspired or encouraged by what she was doing and the art she was trying to bring forth? There's enormous strength in her voice. There's enormous power in her voice. And I think that when you listen to her music, it can just take you from zero to 100 <laughs> in terms of feeling you know, feeling kind of off, but then feeling really great because this her her voice was really a conduit for so many amazing times in our lives. So I, I think that her voice, first and foremost, is, is there for us to use as inspiration. But in terms of her own life, she endured a lot to to get through to get through this maelstrom of fame and survive it. It is is a pretty amazing feat. So I, I think that in her own ways, she was a warrior to to survive fame and then just forge ahead with her career on her own terms in terms of writing the music that she wanted to write, touring when she wanted to tour, just not feeling the pressure to have to go with every single new trend and being her own artist, just being her own artist. I think that's a, that's a that's a great lesson that we can all take from her career. Just be our own person, tap into the things that make us unique and 
and hone those things. And no matter what you're going through in life, if you sort of know the the things that bring you happiness, um, that that can definitely help you weather any storm. Great. Well, thank you so much for being a part of the show, Christian. I know you got a, uh, something coming out around the Pointer Sisters, but I thought it'd be fun to leave this interview and uh, your insight with Donna by playing a little bit more of her music. So here's another cut to enjoy, everybody. my favorite divas of the radio coming straight ahead. It's the Charlie's Angels of Outreach. Ooh la la. Please welcome to the show Kathy Gold from Washington, D.C. Hi, Kathy. Hi, Max. How are you? I'm fabulous. And Patricia Addy Gentle from Atlanta, Georgia. Hi, Max, and hello, divas. Welcome, welcome. You know, Kathy Gold, you inspired me so much last year. We were talking about um, just the struggle. I don't want to say the struggle, but the commitment and determination that women who have uh, breast cancer and are living with diabetes have to deal with. And since I, we did that podcast last year, I've been reading so much about this subject and seeing that there are so many more women, as well as men, who have a dual diagnosis. You know, what? again, just... Um, I wanted to have you paint the picture before we went into uh, the hot topic tonight about how, what you see from a healthcare provider as far as what these uh, patients have to deal with. Well, it just is very difficult. I mean, you, you already have diabetes. You're constantly thinking about keeping your blood sugar under control, and now you get the second diagnosis. And the treatment, so first of all, you're going to deal with stress. Then the treatment, some of the treatment medications are going to elevate your blood sugar. You lose your appetite, so you're not really able to eat. So that's going to affect your blood sugar control and certainly going to affect your medicines and how you take them. Um, so there's, you know, not only do you have to deal with this diagnosis, but now you've got all your diabetes issues that are going to kind of go topsy-turvy with, with the big change in your life. Yeah, it just seems so incredible. You know, more and more celebrities are coming out around breast cancer. Right now we're in October is National Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Earlier this year, Patricia Angelina Jolie made serious headlines uh, when she came out, uh, when she, you know, decided to have a double mastectomy because she was carrying the BRCA1 cancer gene that gives her 50% chance of uh, risk of having ovarian cancer. I wanted to know what your thoughts were about that. Well, Max, uh, there are a lot of different opinions as to whether Angelina did the right thing or not or whether it was the wrong thing to do. And I think, um, you know, for any woman, it's really you have to really dig deep to decide what's right or wrong for you on an individual basis. And knowing that uh, general population of our people are not able to have an elective surgery, but yet you know that your risks are there and that somehow there is a, um, you know, especially if there is a family history or if there 
are other risks involved as well. And like Kathy was just talking about, when you're dealing with dual diagnoses of any chronic condition, and chronic meaning that it's not going away, it's something that you have to deal with day in, day out. Um, you can't imagine a day without chronic illness. You have to, you know, you take it on vacation with you. And then when you have something like breast cancer on top of that, uh, for any woman to have to deal with the everyday stresses of, you know, of just day-to-day life and then have that increased risk is a factor that uh, interplays with the emotions. And then to have a diagnosis is totally different. Once the diagnosis comes, then there's that increased stress factor. So I cannot say that she did the right thing, she did the wrong thing, but it was right for her. Well, and I'm going to go off script for a minute. Kathy Goldanil, you, do, you deal a lot with homeless, the homeless population. Everyone's talking about the shutdown in Washington, Obamacare. Patricia just pointed out that, you know, I think what we're what is really bothering people about the Angelina Jolie impact is that if this is something that would really save lives, why is it only available to so few? So how do you think Obamacare is going to affect these dual diagnoses, people with dual diagnoses? Well, I think one thing that's going to happen is the people that didn't have access to care previously, now we're going to have access. Um, you know, there everyone will have access to great care or just Bottom line care. I mean, that's well, the issue to me. Well, I have to me. say, you know, you know, as you know, I do work in a homeless shelter, and, and I have to say that that although it's a homeless shelter and it's a free clinic, I, I think our patients probably get the best care that I see around. Um, you know, uh, because people that work in those settings are are very passionate about making sure that that people get the tests they need and they have the care that they need and and they go above and beyond to try to make the connections with the right surgeons and the right doctors and and you would be surprised how many people in the medical community actually donate time and services for people that that don't have the funds to pay for things so when i talk to people you know you, you have to keep looking out there's lots of good people out there that will will try to help people to you know with a, a diagnosis like this and and i think um you know i think that at least people now will be tested um that, you know they'll be able to have some of these preventive tests done and hopefully the big difference is if you can catch breast cancer early, it makes a huge difference as far as treatment goes and, and and prognosis as well. All right. Now, Patricia, I'm going to put you in the hot seat again, too. Um, okay. You know, you're a diabetes, uh, certified diabetes educator. You're an RN. How many educators, diabetes educators, know anything about breast cancer or vice versa? How many, cancer, how many nurses who work in cancer know about diabetes? And, you know, we're going to get to Jana, who's going to tell us her story in a minute, and we're looking forward to that. But I'm just I'm curious to know from your position, like how do healthcare providers deal with dual diagnosis? Well, it's it's difficult, but it can be done. And as a person who is in healthcare and really involved and passionate about the people we serve, um, we are willing to do the research. We, we are real, willing to do whatever it is to educate ourselves about dual diagnoses. So when we have someone who comes uh, from that type of a background, um, it's up to the educator to make sure that she is she or he is well versed 
And, of course, you know your limitations, and when you reach to that point, then there are other experts in other fields that you may have to refer them to. But um, it's a collaborative thing. And, of course, we do integrated types of care, multidisciplines, and uh, just make sure that the person is getting the care that they deserve. All right, final question, and you got to wrap this up in 20 seconds. Kathy Gold, Marie just said to me on Facebook, sounds like Kathy Gold is saying that the homeless have better care than the middle class. Is that true? In my clinic, I think they may. But oh. I think it's... <laughs> but Thank you, Marie, for so. that and calling it out as you see it on. Thanks for you can send your questions to me right now on Facebook or tune into this show three four seven two one five eight five five one and we'll put we'll put your questions on the air like we just did. So you do think it's you do think like sometimes the homeless who are totally in need and worthy are getting better care than some people who are pinching pennies who are kind of stuck in the middle. Yeah, I think they 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 might be. Yeah. All right, well, ladies, you were part of the hot tonight because that was inspired by Donna Summer because she had this lovely I'm having so much fun with Donna Summer tonight playing all her hits for you all night long as we celebrate breast cancer survivors living with diabetes now it's time to meet a very special lady that Lorraine Brooks, our poet, introduced me to, and I'm excited to introduce her, but we've got to always play the theme song, because right now she's a diva. Hello, diva, oh, hello, diva. It's time to pass the boa and show us your new attitude. Please join me in welcoming Jana from D.C. Hi, Jana. Hi, Max. How are you? I'm fabulous, and I'm doing much better because you're on the show tonight. Oh, thank you so much. I love your shows. I love Lorraine Brooks for bringing me to your show. Well, we love having you come here. Now, you just heard uh, Kathy and Patricia talking a little bit about what a dual diagnosis is like from a um, health care provider. Tell us a little bit about your story and living with both breast cancer as well as diabetes. Well, I was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes um, in 2003, and I must say at that time I didn't know many people who had diabetes, and I laid on my couch sick for almost a month before uh, a godmother told me to go to my general practitioner and have a test taken, A1C test. At that time I had never heard of an A1C test, so I did. And the result, the blood sugar was well over 400. So you found out it was 400. You were diagnosed, and so you were living with um, type 2 diabetes for about ten, about eight years before you were diagnosed with breast cancer? Uh, yeah. Yes, that's correct. I've, I've been uh, cancer-free for one year. Well, congratulations to that. Thank I'm you. I, early, I was very fortunate. I had early stage, stage zero. I love it. Now, what what went through your mind? Here you are managing your diabetes, and we shared your story on our Facebook page as well as on divabeck.org. But I, I I just want to remind people one of the things that happened is you became very you became a really big healthcare advocate with your diabetes, and you you really looked, took it face head on, faced up to it, 
and um, really thought to put a management plan together. And you said that when you were in in the pre-interview that when you were diagnosed with breast cancer, you kind of mirrored what you were doing for diabetes. So can you share that experience for us a little bit? Exactly. Because I had uh, dealt with the diabetes for so long, it kind of prepared me uh, for the bout with cancer. Although the treatments were different, emotionally, it was the same effect. It was very draining. And once I owned the fact that I had cancer and I had diabetes, it, it just took me to a, another another level. It was a pivotal moment for me. Now, the thing that's interesting to me, Jen, I don't know if you heard the top of the show. I, when I went to Breast Cancer Walk last year, the survivors are being applauded, cheered on. They're walking like they're Olympian heroes. And then I go to the diabetes walks, I won't name names, and no one's applauding anyone. There's no salute to someone who's been living with type 2 like you for 10 years or someone who's been living with diabetes for 20 years or someone like Judith Jones Ambrosini who's been living with diabetes for 50 years or Catherine Lawrence from New Orleans who's been living with diabetes for over 40 years. No one's standing up and applauding them. Do you do you feel that's true, or how do you see that perspective of how the world around us deals with these two different conditions? Well, I, I think just like I said, they're, they're dealing with them separately, although it, it's, it's the same outcome. You, you still have a disease. And uh, I think because in the early stages of diabetes, I think the cancer has kind of overtaken the uh, diabetic issues. And I think it's just on an individual basis now. We all know someone who has cancer. We all know someone who has diabetes. So it's almost like business as usual. It, it Both have become epidemic proportion. And the thing that, what are some of the things, because there's a lot of women listening tonight who are, are dealing with both, what are what are one of the things that helped you through this, uh, through that whole phase in your life? Faith, family, friends, and great physicians. I and have great, to say that again. Yes. Safe family, friends, and physicians. Physicians, really. You. Yes, physicians. Uh, if you're unhappy with a physician and you don't think your level of care is where it should be, you should move on. I've had to do that over the years. Well, I celebrate your spirit. And, of course, you know I have to ask you if you're ready because I love to play games at Diva Better. Are you ready? I guess I'm ready. All right, well, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, you're a bad girl for a second. I'm blowing my speakers today, people. I am dancing, Jana. Thank you for getting down with me because I just went for it right here on the kitchen floor, and it was pretty amazing. But what's going to happen, we're not going to dance. We're going to play diabetes numerology, and I love this game. Here's how it works. I'm going to read aloud a random blood sugar value to you with a related situation. Then I'm going to ask you to tell us how you would deal with the situation, Jana. And then next, the angels... Kathy and Patricia will discuss your solution and offer some tips. If you're playing along with us tonight, keep in mind one solution doesn't work for everyone. Check with your doctor to find out what your specific game plan should be and visit divabetic.org for free diabetes numerology game downloads. Jenna, do you love to dance? Yes, I do. 
All right, because guess what? We're going to buggy down tonight because your diabetes numerology game is loosely based on the film Can't Stop the Music, starring the village people and featuring the Donna Summer song, The Last Dance. Your diabetes numerology situation is you're a struggling composer, desperate to gain fame with your songs at a nightclub in Greenwich Village at 1 a.m. searching for a group of macho men to sing them. Your diabetes numerology blood sugar value is 254. Jana, what would you do? Oh, my goodness. Well, I would take out my insulin pen and immediately give myself the bolus. Take my correction bolus immediately. Ooh, what what is bolus? Is that like bowling? What, what do you mean by bolus? <laughs> bolus is a, a extra shot of insulin to bring your sugar level down. Thank you. All right. Uh, Kathy Gold, how'd you do? She did really well. Um, the only thing I wanted to, wondered about is, did you have a drink tonight when you're out dancing? Uh-huh. Because if you drank alcohol you, and your blood sugar went up that high, you could really, and you gave yourself a bolus, you might put yourself at risk of a lower blood sugar. Uh, okay. Oh, wait a minute. I thought if I was drinking, my blood sugar just goes up. You're telling me it goes down? Well, what can happen is while your blood sugar, while your liver is so busy digesting that alcohol, as your blood sugar starts to go down um, because of the medicine you've taken or your insulin, if you take an insulin injection, the liver isn't going to protect you by releasing sugar and keep your blood sugar in upper level. Uh, at, a, at a safe level. So people that um, drink alcohol need to be very, very careful that they always eat with that alcohol so that they don't risk a low blood sugar in the middle of the night. All right. And, you know, Patricia, I go way back with Donna Summer. So much has changed since the 70s, and Jan and I were out in that. She was wearing her gold lame, and I was wearing my white John Travolta suit. What are some of the changes in diabetes technology that – uh, Jan is able to use today that she might not have been able to use 30 years ago? Well, Max, one of the most simple uh, changes that we use every day with diabetes self-management is a glucose monitor. And I go way back as well. <laughs> and I remember those initial days as a student nurse and um, as a nurse working pediatric ward uh, as a new graduate. We only had urine test strips to um, try and figure out if a blood sugar was high or low. And we could only estimate that, um, you know, a number. We didn't have a specific number. So uh, the only way we could do that was to send the blood to a laboratory setting. But there were no at-home monitors. There were no glucose monitors available back in the 70s. Um, I can't remember exactly when I first used one, but it was late 70s or early 80s, and um, that is one of the most unique techniques, innovative uh, inventions that we have available to us today. What's your favorite um, self-care supply in your purse right now, Jana? My monitor. And which one do you use? I use the one-touch. All right. Well, guess what? Let's add to that because Jennifer playing Diabetes Numerology Game tonight and helping us raise awareness in a fun new way, you're getting a new Naturals gift basket filled with diabetic-safe, low-glycemic, tooth-friendly sweeteners, a Cabot Cheese gift basket, a healthy chocolate basket from Lily at www.simple-approach-to-healthy-living.com. And for the first time... My favorite vendor at the Taking Control of Your Diabetes, Christopher, is giving you a Glucolift 
It's an all-natural, delicious-tasting glucose tabs that Taryn, one of the digital divas, loves, which will sure to raise your blood sugar. So what do you think about playing along tonight on Diabetes Numerology? Uh, great, great, great fun. All right, and thank you so much, Angels, for being a part of that. We had a great time. Now, ladies and gentlemen and divas and Charlie's Angels, the Digital Divas mobile review is coming up. It's time for one of uh, for us to review one mobile app and decide if it could keep us happy and healthy. And to face the music tonight, I've got my favorite diva all the way from Boston, Taryn, to give it a whack or wow. Please welcome to the show, Taryn. Hi, Max. Hi, Hi Diva. How are you? Hi, dudes. <laughs> now you love that glucolift, didn't you? Take some of those home. Yeah, I tasted it. It was it was better than a, tri- a regular um, tablet, so I definitely recommend it. I'm going to be ordering some. <laughs> all right, so you know you're helping us out tonight, Taryn, because we're lo- you you love your phone. You use it all the time, so we're always I looking do. at mobile apps, and we want to know if they waste your time or if they're worth your time. Tonight we're we're reviewing the Sweet Bee Plate Mate. It's an app from Belgium. This app shows a simple and visual way of what's on your plate. It key, it claims that it keeps track of the carbohydrates, calorie intake, and your blood sugar levels. With more than 200 food products, you can make endless combinations and get healthy inspiration in a few seconds with a virtual meal. What did you think about it? Okay, so I loved the idea. I think the idea behind the app is a great one. Um, unfortunately, um, the app is quite difficult to use. <laughs> um, I was I was really disappointed with the app, to be honest. I um, there was a couple of points. Um, it, first, you have to sign on, and um, you have to you have to sign in. And for some reason, that took me about 20 minutes to try to because of some problem with the um, the way the app works. Um, and then um, when you do get in. Um, I was a little bit disappointed with the food choices. Um, as you said, it's from Belgium, Belgium, and um, I found that the food choices weren't very compatible with maybe the American diet, um, and me being a vegetarian in particular. <laughs> um, there were a lot of um, uh, food choices on there that I had never even heard of. So it was a little bit... Well, we should explain, like, what you... What you see on the phone, though, because it is kind of cool looking, you have a, a empty it plate, is. you have an empty mm-hmm. glass, and you have an empty salad plate. And then next to that, on, a sub, on the mm-hmm. screen next to you, you have like 200 little icons of food. And so you take the icons of food and you move them to the plate and you expand or decrease them to kind of build a plate using that food. And then I, I take it like once you move your chicken on and your broccoli and your uh, quinoa, that you would then, and you put in something to drink into the glass, that then it, it right. tabulates all the calories and everything below so you could kind of get a visual idea. Was the idea exactly. that you were matching a real plate to that mm-hmm. plate then? So you look at the virtual plate and you build a, a real-life right. plate to that? I love the idea, Max. The idea is wonderful, and it looks good. But unfortunately, I had a lot of difficulty moving food to the plate and keeping it there for some reason, I think that they have a lot of glitches in this app. Unfortunately, All right, so because when you love comes the to, idea. When it comes to whack or wow, you're giving it a a whack. <laughs> I wish I didn't have to. <laughs> you're and you're pretty easy, so I'm giving it a whack. People. Sorry, sweetie. I wanted to love the app, Max. I wanted to love it, but it just it didn't work for me. 
All right, I have one more question for you because you were on our Facebook page yesterday when I posted that enormous Chanel bag. Do you think you could ever <laughs> over-accessorize with your diabetes? Well, I think we do need to carry a pretty large bag, us ladies who live with diabetes. So <laughs> I, I don't know. I think maybe that bag was slightly too big, but it was Chanel. So What do you I don't carry know. in your bag? I carry, um, well, I always have my blood glucose monitor. I always have glucose tabs. I always have um, a snack. And I always have, of course, the other things, makeup and such, of course, because I like to try to look nice. But, um, yeah, I try to always be prepared. I always have to be prepared. So I do have a pretty heavy, (laughs) large bag most of the time. And, Jana, what do you carry in your bag? I carry at least two insulin pens, I carry my lantus, I carry, uh, of course, the glucose monitor and, and the strips, and uh, about, the, about the same. It, it, I carry a big bag. And uh, <laughs> Catherine Lawrence from New Orleans, you're on the line. You've been living with diabetes for o- type 1 diabetes for over 40 years. What are you carrying your bag? Oh, hey, Max. How's, how's the divas? How's everybody? I carry, I'm on an insulin pump, so I carry a complete supply of refills on everything needed for the pump, the the insertion set, all of that stuff. I've got my blood glucose meter. I've got my sugar tablets. Um, yeah, I've, I've got a big bag, too. <laughs> and, Kathy Gold, is all that stuff necessary? Yes. If you're going to take good care of your diabetes, you don't want to be caught without having a snack, or if your blood sugar drops, you want to be able to treat it right away. I'm just wondering, um, Catherine Lawrence, how long have you been living with type 1 diabetes? Uh, Max, I've had type 1 diabetes for 45 years. 45 years. And you heard um, Jana's story. I want to give you applause. What, do you, what, what was going your, through your head tonight when you were listening to Jana's story about um, living with diabetes and then being diagnosed with breast cancer? Very moving, very moving and very touching. Um, and, uh, yes, and I... I do agree with her, and it is uh, it, no, it's not the same thing. But I do agree, it's it's uh, in a way you you are doing the same thing. You're 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 living with something that you've got to deal with every day, uh, and you and it is it's a it's a big deal to to do. And uh, but if you can do it and do it well enough, and you've got all the support like she has, uh, and and she got. Uh, you you can you can work with it. You can work with it. You can beat one, and you can live with the other well. And um, thank you for saying that. And Jana, I wanted to ask you uh, about this. When you were treating your diabetes, I mean, when you're treating your breast cancer with chemotherapy or radiation, did you notice any difference in your uh, blood sugar levels? And I know. For people listening, uh, you know, we're just talking to Jana specifically. You should be talking to your healthcare providers about this, but I'm just curious because you do so much, we do so much research on the subject, seeing more and more links to um, breast cancer and diabetes and some of the treatments for cancer potentially being linked to um, a diagnosis of type 2 diabetes. I'm wondering, what did you see going on? Uh, during the, the point when I was receiving uh, radiation, I noticed an elevation in my blood sugars, and I attributed that to the excitement and the stress level of seeing your body change right before you. Um, it's an emotional experience. I can't, you know, and stress 
definitely elevates your your blood sugar level. So I attribute it to uh, the stress level of, of having the radiation treatment and see your body transfigured. And, Kathy Gold, you did a little research on this topic about some of the treatments for cancer and diabetes. What What was your thought on it after researching it? Well, I think that um you know if you're gonna if you're gonna have treatment, you have to be prepared for you know what you're gonna do so let's say you're gonna have surgery, you want to make sure that you're in the best shape possible for that surgery. you want to make sure that your blood sugar is in good control because you want that wound to heal and and you want to be able to recover from the surgery quickly um I think the other thing is it's important that you you uh, Jenna talked about a support system. You know, you find a support system for yourself, you know, the support group for diabetes, but you maybe you find a support group for cancer. Because I think those people, um, talking to other individuals that have gone through those same struggles will, will kind of help eliminate some of those surprises. And then I think recognizing that, you know, even though you might be on an oral medication or you might even be just on diet and exercise if you have type 2 diabetes, that while you're having surgery, they may start in you with an IV and they might give you insulin. And people shouldn't panic when that happens. Um, it's much easier to control your blood sugar with insulin, uh, the short-acting insulin, than it is to be giving somebody a pill and not knowing when their blood sugar is going to drop. So it's just a better way for people to manage their blood sugar. And then I think you have to be very proactive while you're in the hospital. Um, like you said, uh, not all healthcare professionals may be experts in diabetes and and uh, in, in cancer treatments. So you have to be proactive and make sure that you know that keeping it track and asking questions and, and being informed uh, informed patient is very important. I have to say, Patricia, you know a lot of uh, this would overwhelm me and it would bug the heck out of me if I knew more than I thought my doctors or nurses taking care of me. <laughs> what do you say to that? Absolutely, well, yeah. and I agree so much with um, Jana. If if that's the case, it's time to go doctor shopping. Get resources from friends, talk to other people who have gone through it, and make sure that you have a great rapport with your doctor, um, that you can ask every question that you feel that you need an answer to and you don't feel like you're challenging the doctor, but it is to empower you and to know. Jana, how were your doctors? Did you did you have to shop around? I took uh yes and no. I shopped around and um I had to weigh it. I, I really got my second doctor from a friend, uh, a referral from a friend. And I, I think that's the best way, uh, to talk talk to others who have experienced it and listen to their story. Everyone has a story. All right, well, you know, this is so much fun because this is like the Diva Better Club right here. I've got my educators, I've got my divas, and this week I'm going to be throwing the Divas Night out in New York City, everybody, 7 to 9, Thursday, October 10th at Pure Thrift Shop right here in New York City, and it's going to travel, so there's going to be opportunities all over, maybe coming to D.C. sometime soon, want to come back to New Orleans, definitely want to head up to Boston to see Taryn, but... I'm going to put you in the hot seat, uh, Jana, because I was all over this breast cancer topic on Facebook today. Three million breast cancer survivors in America were interviewed, and these are some of the things that no one, they said that no one wants to hear, uh, wants someone to say to them. Number one was, has it come back? Is it somewhere else? Do you agree? Is that something you never want to hear us say? I don't know why I would ever say that to you, but is it, have you ever heard no, someone say that? No, that doesn't bother me. P- people are curious, and, and once we get past, 
shutting people out and making them feel uh, uncomfortable about asking anything, uh, we're not going to learn until we, we put the questions out there. All right, and how about, you don't really need your breath anymore, do you? Do you need it anymore? Yeah. That's what <laughs> well, they're saying. That's, people say, you don't really need your breath anymore, Jana. Well, how would you feel if I said that to you? It depends on the individual. Uh, okay. um, <laughs> Thumbs down, I think, say. to that one. Yeah, you got me that time. <laughs> All right, how about, here's something that people never want to hear them say. I want to know if you agree or disagree. You must be so happy you're cured. Oh, I disagree. I, I, I disagree. Uh, uh, no. Because and the final one still, is, I would, I would get both breasts, breasts removed if I were you, so I would never have to worry about cancer again. Well, I, I, I don't agree. It's, it's a, that's on an individual basis. You, you, you have to, you know, be at the right place in your mind. And your spirit and your body, right? Yeah. It's important yeah. to have people around you that love you and support you, and that's why it's time to meet my final diva of the night. Here she is. It's Mama Rosemary. Hi, Mama Rosemary. Hi, Max. How are you tonight? I'm so um, much better to hear your voice. You've actually had some experience around breast cancer with some of the some of your close friends, have you not? Yes, um, we're a group of five high school friends that have stayed in touch since we were in kindergarten, actually, and four of the five have been affected by breast cancer. So, um, yes, it has affected me and my friends very much. Mm-hmm. I hope you've never said anything like some of these people said. That you should never say that I just oh, said to Jana. Oh, those questions. No, 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 I wouldn't ever say that. <laughs> Um, I'm just happy that I could say that they, uh, all four of them have been um, uh, cured and um, they're on their way to being very healthy again. All right. Well, so, share, please share your Mother Your Diabetes tip for October. Yes. But first I want to tell you that in here in uh, Columbia, South Carolina, we had um, a breast cancer walk this past Saturday for the uh, National Breast Cancer Awareness Month of October, and I'm sure that they're having walks all through the United States at different cities, so perhaps some of the divas might like to join them and and support this cause and also get a little exercise while they're um, supporting this wonderful cause. So uh, anyhow, I just wanted to add that a little bit, and my tip this month is for you to care about these friends or your partners or your spouses, uh, just, you know, if they have been diagnosed um, recently, you can do as much help as you can provide support for these uh, people by focusing on everyday things that you can make things a little easier for them. You could prepare a meal or you could do a little housework or you could assist with child care or even running errands. I've got some neighbors who... The lady has um, has been affected by breast cancer, and she and her husband both have dietary problems. So I just step in with some flowers once in a while or send a card every other month. So that just makes them know that they're being thought of all the time. So I just want to tell all your divas that if they know someone who has been affected by this breast cancer or any cancer, just give them support. Always make sure that they know that you're there for them. So that is my tip for the month. So I will bid everybody a ciao for now. 
All right, everyone. Well, thanks for tuning in. Remember to visit Diva Beck's Facebook fan page, group pages, and check out all my videos on Mr. Diva Beck's YouTube channel. I want to thank all my guests tonight for being a part of the show and remind everyone, every diva has an entourage, and I'm so glad to be part of yours. Let's get happy and stay healthy together. Stay